we're continuing our series, Better, and this church has just been on a journey of better and greater things in God, and it's exciting for what's to come, because I know it's going to be even better. (laughs) So hold on to the edge of your seats. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so we've been going through this series, Better, and it's been a great series so far. If There's just been great messages, and I encourage you, if you've missed any, to um, listen to them on our podcasts. Um, if you've missed any, and it'll be great to, to catch up on all of those. So today we're continuing the conversation and sort of finishing this conversation today on better. We've been asking the question, can we do better? Can we live better? Can we be better? And the answer is yes. Better is possible. Better is a journey. Um, better is um, it's incremental. It takes growth. It takes changes. Um, And if your life's not on a journey to becoming better, chances are you're not doing anything to change it. You know, so um, Henry Ford has a quote that he said, if you do always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So, you know, your life could possibly get better by accident, but chances are it will be just the same, if not worse. So, you know, we need to be on a journey for better. And we need to, and, and if things aren't getting better, we need to, we might have to make some changes. We might have to do some things to, to steer it in a better direction. And even Peter shared last week, you know, sometimes we might even need to evaluate our lives and look at things that we need to just let go, that are holding us back, that are stopping us from moving into better. Um, and, you know, we all want better. I don't know anyone who doesn't want better. You know, we all want better in every area of life. If there's an opportunity for better, I know that we can and will take it. Like, I don't know anyone who's knocked back a pay rise for the same role. Don't know anyone who said, oh, nah, look, it's all right. Don't need a pay rise. It's all good. If there's an opportunity, better is good. Um, And, you know, we always want to be better. Like, I know for me, I've always wanted to be a better friend. I want to be a better spouse. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better employee. I'm always looking for ways to be better and I know that all of us want to be better. Um, And it's funny when I think, um, when I look at my young kids running races, don't you just love it? They all run and they're all looking to see who's next to them because they're wanting to get better, like they're wanting to get that first place. Like it's just natural. We all just want to be better. And even if running wasn't your thing, you know, we all want to be looked at in a good way. We all want people to admire us and think well of us and, you know, so we want to be better people because we want people to look at us and and see the better that we're working towards. Yeah, we all want that, that promotion. We all want better. And it might even be like when we, like, it might be even something that you start somewhere small and then you just... You work your way up. So I, I remember the first house we ever moved into, it was this tiny little two-bedroom house, had no insulation. Winter's morning, you'd wake up and you could breathe. Like, you know, when you breathe and it's like condens like that. Yeah, that's what how cold it was at that little house. I was not going to stay in that house for the rest of my life. It was a wonderful first home. It was awesome. But I was looking forward for better. <laughs> so, yeah, we all want better. And this morning, let's ask the question, what if better is possible, but what if great is achievable? And is, this, is there a way for you and I to make this next season of our lives better and greater as we grow and become and, and as we move forward? 
Well, we're going to dive into a little bit of a, a passage in the Bible. It's a rather interesting conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Now, the disciples are a wonderful group of people to learn from because they are, it's, it's shown throughout different conversations and through the stories in the Bible, they were real people like you and me. They were very, in fact, very ordinary people. They had ordinary jobs prior to being a disciple. Um, they, you know, from ordinary back, backgrounds, they were ordinary people. They were just like you and me. They were wanting better in life. Most of them were stuck in the family trades. So they obviously weren't smart enough to become a rabbi or learn or go on to higher education. And they were hoping for better. In fact, they were hoping for more than just better. Because when Jesus comes along and presents them with an opportunity to follow him, they're like, dropping the nets, baby. Let's go. I, you know, I'll leave all this fishing and all this stuff. I'm going to follow Jesus. And just that alone was, was a guarantee that their life was going to be better. They knew that their life was going to be better. Otherwise, they would have stayed in the boats fishing or whatever their trade was. So they, out of nowhere, they had a great opportunity plonked in front of them. And this automatically made life better. They were, and they were positioned for not just better, but for greatness. And in, we're going to look at um, a passage in the Bible and it's Mark chapter 10 and we'll be starting at verse 33. But just to give some context around this passage, um, Jesus is walking to Jerusalem with his disciples um, and the religious leaders of the day were knowingly plotting to kill Jesus. They were like, yep, we're ready to end this movement. We're going to end this movement by ending the life of the top dog. We're going to take out the leader and then will be good because the leader's taken out. And Jesus had already predicted that this would happen. But here in Mark 10, he's telling his disciples again in greater detail. So let's start reading from verse 33. It says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him and the third day he will rise again. So Jesus is sharing about his death. It's very explicit. It's all there. And the following conversation from the disciples shows that they weren't thinking about what Jesus was about to go through. They were only thinking about themselves. Because in verse 35 it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right, one on your left, in your glory. Wow. How awesome. There, Jesus just said, you know... They're going to be killed, spat on, scourged, killed. And James and John are like, sweet, can we sit on your right and left in glory? That would be great. Like, you're the king. So in the next few verses following this, just to paraphrase, Jesus tells them that they really don't know what they're asking and those little seats on his right and left aren't really for his to give away. But in verse 41 it says, And then the ten heard it and they became greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over the, them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you 
shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So here we have James and John asking to sit on his right and left and it's important to understand what their request was what their request meant. Now they knew Jesus was it. They knew he was the promised ruler, the king, the savior of the world that was had been prophesied about that he you know he was here. He was going to be the ruler, he was going to be the in their eyes the king and the savior, the top dog. And in that day when you had a ruler, the people who had the most the next the people who had the next amount of authority and power were the people that sat on their right and left, the people that sat closest to them. So they weren't asking to sit on his right and left because they wanted to be his best mate. They were asking because they wanted to get in on the greatness. They wanted to get in on the greatness. They wanted to have that, they were looking and they're hungry for that greater, that greater step. And of course, you know, the other disciples are a bit frustrated and cranky that they're asking this. But um, but Jesus then reminds them that his kingdom doesn't operate like this. In God's kingdom, you can't recognise a powerful leader by their title or seating arrangement. And in God's kingdom, the most influential leaders would be the biggest servants. So such a flip from what they were used to, from what they were expecting, like, oh, they wanted better and they wanted great, but they just thought it meant sitting closest to the top dog. And Jesus is like, yep, nope, this is not how it works in my kingdom. <laughs> you want to be great? You'll be the greatest servant. And Jesus was such an example of this throughout his whole life. He'd done nothing but serve. He'd done nothing but just pour out and serve others. Didn't matter, like, didn't matter who it was, where he was, he was always serving. And out of everyone who ever lived, he achieved the greatest feat of serving, which was dying of that horrific death, carrying our sin and then rising again so that we wouldn't have to go through that, that we wouldn't have to face the spiritual death that he did. So Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He did not come um, to earth to make things better. He came to earth to make things new and great, not just better. And I even think of so many people throughout history that have, have known this truth. Like I think of people like Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King Jr. And so many people who've just dedicated their lives to serving and the greatness that they passed on as they shared and served their love and gave out to others. And I think it's just so amazing that every single one of us can be assured of not only better but greatness because Every single one of us can serve. Every single one of us can serve. We are better when we make someone else's life better. That's how it works in God's kingdom. You want to be great, you want to make your life better, make your life better by making someone else's life better. And as we refer back to the disciples who were only thinking about themselves when they're asking that question, they were concerned that they had to push forward that they had to work towards and almost like you know what if no one else is going to ask to be next to him his like top dog seat I've just I've got to do this I've got to push but that is working that's working in our own strength that's not how it how it works and often we think in our in our minds oh if we were in that situation or any other situation we would be like Jesus we would just 
forgo the top dog, you know, um, seat. But really, all of us, myself included, are just like the disciples. Quite often even I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be like, oh, Lord, just bless all my plans today. Hmm, my plans, hey? (laughs) I think a better question or a better prayer request would be like, Lord, what have you got in store for me today? What can I do to serve others today? What can I what are your plans for me today? Instead of asking him to bless all of my plans. <laughs> because, you know, his plans are the best plans. And we don't have to push forward. I mean, yes, we have to take responsibility for our lives. Yes, we have to we have to do things. Faith without works is dead, but it's just having that humility to go, God, your plans are the best plans. And I pray that my plans would just get in line with your plans and just put him first. So learn that Jesus, um, we learn from Jesus that the, the first place is, is last, really. And that serving, um, to serve is greater than being served and for living, living for others is living like Jesus. Now, just practically speaking, there are a few things that we have to consider when it comes to moving towards greater through serving others. And the first one is to understand your place or the season that you're in. Um, Because each of us are in a different season of life and we all go through different seasons and sometimes each season has different limitations. Um, And we need to learn to work within the limitations that we have. Um, So regardless of the place that you're in right now, there's always someone you can serve. Uh, We just need to look around And don't let the season of your life be an excuse not to serve others. I remember when I was a young mum, kids everywhere, totally sleep deprived, would have been good if I even got a shower that day. Like, that, I was in the trenches of a season. And so many times I think, I have got nothing to give to other people. But then I had to remind myself, hang on. I'm serving my family here. I'm serving my husband. I'm feeding them. And you know what? Yep, I'm sleep deprived and yep, I can barely <laughs> function some days, but I'm serving. And to have that heart of like, I'm making a difference. I'm serving someone. I'm someone who's too de- like who needs me, who's dependent on me. And then it might be even be other seasons where you're like, you know what? You might be in a season where you're like, I'm just doing well to get up out of bed this morning. That's okay. It's just a season and God can still use you in a small way to bring joy and life. You could, it could even be when you're lining up in the checkout and someone's got that handful of things behind you, you can go, hey, why don't you jump in front of me? It's that easy. It's that easy. Um, it could be just smiling. Have you walked downtown and noticed not many people smile? Everyone's in a hurry, especially coming the Christmas season, like, whoo. Car park's a pretty crazy place to be or, you know, supermarkets in the lines. Everyone's cranky. Everyone's frustrated. Just smile. Just bring the light of, like, just, that's just a simple way to serve. Encourage someone. Tell a struggling mum who's got kids jumping out of the shopping cart that they're doing an amazing job or just something like that. that. That's serving. And the other thing is don't compare yourself to someone else's season. Don't compare yourself so many times, yeah, when I was in those hard seasons, I'd look at other people and I'm like, oh my gosh, they've got so much more time to serve and help and love people. But don't compare yourself. Your season is unique 
And, and I know that even in your season that you can ask God and go, God, how do I get through the day? Who can I serve? How can I love people? And you, you pray that opportunities will come your way. And there might even be ways that you could even serve and you don't even know you're serving. But you just you, it's that yielding to him and going, God, just help me. Help others today. So understand your place and your season that you're in. And the other thing to do is understand your platform or the opportunity that you have around you. Everyone has a platform. Everyone has an opportunity. Every single one of you has influence among your peers, your family, your children, people that you come in contact with. Whatever your platform or opportunity is that you have around you, you, there is a difference for you to make despite any limitations that you have from your season. And so my question for you this morning is to ask yourself, what's in your hand? I think of so many stories in the Bible where, one, Jesus is standing there, he's speaking and sharing to thousands of people. It says there was 5,000 men. So that's not including women and children. There was thousands and thousands of people there. The disciples say, Jesus, these people are hungry. They've been here all day. Just send them away. Tell them to go get food. And Jesus is like, you feed them. Jesus, we don't have anything. We've got, like, we can't feed these people. We haven't got the money, the resources, anything. We have got nothing to feed these people. Jesus goes, what's in your hand? What have you got? They had five loaves and two small fish. Jesus used what was in their hand. He blessed it and multiplied it and it turned into a miracle. Another example is Moses when he's in the desert. All of his people are in slavery in Egypt. And God says, okay, Moses, I want you to confront the greatest power in that day, which was Pharaoh, and to, in order to lead out your people from slavery. Moses is like, I can't do this. I've got nothing. Jesus says, what's in your hand? I said, I've got a staff. Great. We'll use that. God said, drop it on the floor, it turned into a serpent. And that was just the beginning of the miracles that followed. In so many times where those people thought they had nothing, Jesus said, God said, what's in your hand? Whatever you've got in your hand, I can use that. So it does not matter what small insignificant thing you have in your hand, where it's a small amount of time, a small amount of resources, a small amount of money, small amount of whatever, God can use it. And that small thing that you have in your hand could be someone else's miracle. So we just have to go, God, this is, this is what I got. What you might have might be just 10 minutes a day to pray for someone else. So, so that person you're praying for might not even know that you are praying for them, yet that is a way to serve them and to serve and give Sometimes God will ask you to give little things. Sometimes God will even lead you to give things that cost you. But like I said, that, that thing that you might give might be someone else's miracle. One other tip I just want to share when it comes to serving others is that it requires humility. Selfish ambition will work against you. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but the interests of others. 
So we need to let selfishness go. It's so easy to get selfish, especially when we live in a society that says, look after number one. You, you know, the most important person in this world is you. They're the messages that this world is telling us, is telling young people. That's why... And, and things like self-care, I'm not against. You need to look after yourself in order to be able to look after others. But as long as that's not our main focus. We need to let selfishness... We need to let go the... Um, we need to not neglect the responsibility of serving others. And we have so many opportunities around us. Oh my gosh, this world is in desperate need of people to for, for people to love on them. They're, this world is so desperate, and there's so many opportunities that you can serve in our family, in our schools, in our workplaces, here in this church. So many opportunities. We have an amazing opportunity to go out and now buy some hampers and things for people in need. What a great opportunity! That. That little hamper out there could be someone else's, could make someone's Christmas. This, Like just simple little things. Imagine a world where everyone got their eyes off themselves and turned around and served people. If we got busy serving people, imagine what, how this world would be so different. And in a world that is getting increasingly darker and darker, we have an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus that is only getting lighter and lighter in this world because as the world gets darker, we shine brighter and brighter because we carry Jesus. But even think of the times when you've received a compliment or a gift or someone has served you. Remember the time that, remember how that made you feel and imagine being able to then bring that to, to other people. So let us be people that move towards better but also towards greatness as we learn to serve others. Every single one of us can be assured of greatness because we can all serve others. We are better when we make someone else's life better. So let's, let's just pray this morning. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that you give us to serve others. We just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just open up our hearts, open up our eyes to be able to see the opportunities around us. Lord, no matter how little and no matter how insignificant they may be, open up our eyes to the opportunities that we have around us. Help us to get our eyes off ourselves and to get our eyes on you and to get our eyes on how we can serve other people. Let us yield ourselves day by day to, rip, to pull down the selfishness that works against us and to just step into just serving others. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. And may we share that love with all those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.